morning, good afternoon. What? Wait a minute. Let's try that again. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, whenever you may be listening. This is the Innovate Western New York podcast. I am your dutiful host, Nate Scoop Benson. (laughs) There's a funny story about that nickname. Apparently, our in-studio production team have been calling me Scoop for about the last year or so, uh, and I just discovered it yesterday. Nobody will seem to tell me why my nickname is Scoop. I kind of like it. It fits, I think. Um, I'm not sure if it's because I scoop all the good stories or just have a penchant for ice cream, but either way. At any rate, this is the Innovate Western New York podcast, an extension of our series on WGRZ-TV, and it's been an absolutely crazy summer. In July, I was covering the political conventions for our parent company, Tegna, and in August, well, we just had a slew of breaking news. That is our bread and butter here at WGRZ, and it just kind of pulled me away from the daily uh, tasks I have with this series, but I'm now just catching up to the podcast, and we have a great episode this week, I think. I sat down with Christian Bach, the director of products at Bach USA, a tablet and computing company based here in Buffalo. I met up with Christian to talk about the new expansion of the company, looking ahead at new products, another round of investment from Tom Galasano, and more. But first, I wanted to catch up and see what's been happening since I last spoke to him over the winter, when our series was the first to take a look at that new Seal 8 tablet, one of the most affordable tablets that are rugged on the market. It's been fast and furious. Uh, obviously, we're looking to kind of expand across all of our different sectors, which means that uh, we want to bring some new products to the market uh, that specifically address the needs of, uh, of the local community around us. But we also want to um, start to move into the space of manufacturing and be a pioneer and an innovator uh, in the way that we make the products, not just the types of products that we make. Um, so that's really the reason why we're doing the expansion model and, and, and uh, aiming to create a world-class facility here in downtown Buffalo. You know, when we talked last, um, you know, announcing the, the rugged tablet, you mm-hmm. know, one of your concerns with the previous tablet you guys had is it was kind of getting lost in the mix and, yep. you know, it, it didn't have an identity. You guys create a very specific topic that has an identity. There's not yep. many rugged tablets out there. So how's the um, market penetration been? How's the traction on that been? Phenomenal. Um, I mean, it was a, not just a market shift. Uh, it was a Herculean change mm-hmm. for us, really, in terms of, uh, the response we got in terms of the interest, um, the pilot projects that we're running, uh, you know, we really have changed from a company that was producing a product to one that is much more consultative. Uh, we sit down with our clients, we talk to them about their needs, and then we try to address those needs really using uh, the technologies that are available to us. Um, once we adopted that model, uh, all of a sudden companies would come to us with uh, not just their mobile computing device needs, but also kind of their overall infrastructure and say, hey, you know, we want to modernize. We want to be a part of the 21st century um, from a competitive edge uh, as much as just from a deployment standpoint, Uh, which meant that we really can actually play a huge role in ensuring the success of local businesses. Um, And and those are both, by the way, small and medium-sized to some of the larger enterprises that want to innovate in spaces that, you know, the IT team haven't really thought about. and, uh, and spaces where you know you wouldn't really normally consider uh, computers to be the way uh, to really to really change. So it's really really cool actually. You know some of the sectors you guys wanted to try to get in with were you know public service, firemen, mm-hmm, policemen, mm-hmm. things like that, contractors. Yep. Um, have you been able to yeah, reach that goal? Yeah, we have. Um, and it's you know everything starts small, and, yeah. and we like it that way. Uh, we like to prove uh, our uh, our setup and, and really our profile. Uh, before going larger scale. So one of the really exciting projects uh, that the team is working on 
uh, is uh, with fire hydrants uh, here in the local community. So uh, a very simple problem. Um, you don't always know that when you turn the tap, water will come out. Now there are sensors that will tell you that, but obviously you need some sort of interface to be able to tell if that's, that's the case or not. So a lot of valuable time is wasted when a truck arrives on scene uh, in, in kind of plugging in and then nothing happens. So what we've been able to do, of course, is provide sort of the mobile computing device that allows for firefighters when they arrive uh, at the scene of, uh, well, of either an accident or a fire uh, to assess which of the, the fire hydrants in their proximity uh, actually, A, is working, uh, and, and B, has the best flow. So that's really, you know, just a, a, a very simple practical application of how you can use technology to achieve um, really important outcomes. Um, and again, you know, that's a thousand dollar investment for them. Uh, whereas it's a massive, massive uh, deal in terms of being able to save lives and, and really improve the efficiency of those trucks. And that's a program being developed here yeah, locally, huh? exactly right. Wow. I had no idea. Yeah, and, pretty, I'm, and I'm supposed to know these things. Well, <laughs> you know, you heard it here first <laughs> until I get an embargo notice from, uh, yeah, but I won't tell you who. Right, but Fair enough. Um, <laughs> that's always funny. Uh, so the expansion, um, mm. you know, news broke uh, a week or so ago that, yep. you know, a pretty aggressive expansion, you know, yeah, there uh, several thousand square feet and you want yeah. to manufacture your own processors here on site. So. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess backing up, how how did you guys come to the decision that okay now it's time to, to expand? Because you went from ten employees yep. when you first started, and I think yeah, the outlook three now, employees. Right? Yeah. The outlook's now going to be seventy five by the end of the year, if if not more. Um, quick correction: what we want to do is we want to build the boards. Right. So we actually want to uh, take as much of the manufacturing process in house. Okay. Now vertical integration is nothing new. Mm -hmm. However, vertical integration in local markets, particularly within the tech space, is something new. Um, and, uh, and I do think that the reasons why we're doing it are pretty sound. We've noticed that a lot of people want customized, but it's really customized in some neat kind of ways. So, you know, it's going from four gigabytes of RAM to maybe eight gigabytes of RAM if your specific application requires it. You know, we don't want to sell uh, over-spec devices. That's a big problem, yeah. in my opinion, uh, particularly for industry, where you have consumer devices being sort of re-engineered and, and re-jigged to serve uh, specific industry needs, but when you're talking about you know uh, deploying 10,000 devices, a $20 change, a delta can be huge, absolutely yeah. enormous. Actually, it could be the difference between going ahead with the project or shelving it all together, or making a profit that year and not. Or exactly, and, and making it from a P&L standpoint a viable solution long term. Um, and for us, you know, again, what we always try to do is find ways that we can make our uh, our customers and our clients and our partners competitive. Uh, and if that means that we can uh, you know, go in uh, to the motherboard level and actually put in a, a lower spec in terms of, say, RAM or even processor, um, well, that's in their benefit. You know, we don't want to sell them an, an over-spec device. In terms of our overall expansion, though, um, that's a part of the process. We're bringing more and more of the manufacturing, deployment, uh, servicing side of this business in-house. Right? We want to be as grounded in the local community as possible um, in order to achieve some pretty, uh, I think, remarkable aims. A, we want to be faster. You know, we want to be able to deliver on the types of uh, um, services that we, that we do um, in, a, in a shorter lead time. You know, first to market is obviously a big deal from a product development side, but I also think quick to deliver is a big deal for uh, a lot of our particularly corporate clients. 
Secondly, we want to have our, our ear to the ground to a greater extent. You know, we want to have our product development team here. Uh, we're going to probably have, um, by the end of this year, over 10 people dedicated from an engineering perspective to perfecting the devices and developing new exciting products, which is wholly unique uh, to this area. Um, and that means that we can really answer those questions that, that the, you know, our partners uh, ask us much faster, right? which is, again, a big deal. Um, and then thirdly, from a servicing perspective, if we're here, well, you know, if somebody, if somebody calls us, we're going to answer the phone. Right. If you show up at our facility, we're going to greet you and welcome you in and, and sit down and talk to you. And in order to do all of these things, we need space. We need space downtown. Uh, and, uh, and obviously, we need a world-class facility. So it's, um, it's exciting um, from a sort of development perspective. It's probably more hockey stick than I ever anticipated <laughs> it would be. Um, but quite frankly, that's because the need is there. You know, we've, we've spent two years listening, doing a lot of listening, both for in good ways and in bad ways. Sure. Uh, and, and actually, as, as you start to grow a company, you start to really appreciate the criticism almost more than you do the, the positive. Like you, you expect positive, right. but you, you need to react to negative. Um, and, um, and I think what, we, what we've observed is obviously the trend has certainly been to get more positive reviews but also the, the negatives to really be uh, quickly adopted uh, in, our, in our development stream so that we can answer those questions more, much more faster. And then finally, I would say, by the way, uh, from a strategic uh, support standpoint, we've gotten an unbelievable backing from Tom Galzano and his, yeah. his group of investors. Now, he initially invested, uh, was it $4 million last yeah. year? Now, it, he came, his group came around again yep. with the $16 million. Yeah, and, 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 it's, and it's, a, it's a $16 million with, with different constructions included, uh, so it's not just straight 16 million. And, and honestly, the money is important, right? You need money to achieve certain aims, um, specifically from a capital standpoint, acquisition of you know, new material and, uh, and equipment. But it's the guidance, and it's the strategic backing. Um, you know, he has an un, just unbelievable track record of growing companies. Yeah. Um, you know, his idea of getting big by going small is something that resonates deeply with us. Um, and really paying attention to the smaller businesses and by doing so actually creating a superior product. You know, we're always focused on creating a superior product than anything that's out in the market. It's a pretty impressive uh, investment, especially to, and I'm certainly no financial expert, mm, sure. but everything I've been reading about you know, investments from venture capital is it's kind of on a downswing. There's mm -hmm. less and less of it going around yep. than there was three years ago, for example. Oh, and, and, and it's an outlier. Um, and, and, you know, this is big money. This is valley money. Right? This is not um, sort of uh, off the beaten track type of uh, 100,000 here, 100,000 yeah. there. Um, but, but that being said, I also think that just in terms of the industry, what you're seeing across the industry um, is actually for, for VCs to take a, a less dominant role and for private investors to come in. Um, and I think that that's really being um, driven, in my opinion, by a shift towards longer term planning. So VCs have, you know, three-year exits typically um, that they're aiming for. Um, and that means that there's a probably an IPO at the end of that road, and there's a lot of kind of getting rid of founders and, and shifting around the management so that it kind of fits within their larger portfolio um, and strategic aims of the VC. Sure. Whereas with, with private investors, you get a little, I think, a little more lead time. Um, and also you can be much longer uh, in terms of your planning and, and your vision. You know, we're not trying to only be successful in Buffalo. We want to decentralize the manufacturing process na nationally. 
Uh, and in order to do that, we obviously have to perfect the model here in Buffalo. The way to perfect the model is to listen to our, our partners here and learn from them. So that fire hydrant example, there's nothing that says that we can't do that down in Texas. Sure. Um, and that knowledge and those case studies, in my opinion, ultimately that becomes the product, right? Mm -hmm. From an implementation standpoint. Um, so there's a, there's a real need, and I think that everyone in this company, you know, we're all obviously always trying to differentiate ourselves, but we're also really trying to come up with innovative ways of approaching technology problems. Um, and you have to be long-term in that thinking. And I think that's also one of them, by the way. To be long-term in tech is almost, um, uh, you know, oxymoronical almost. Yeah. Like, people just don't do it. Um, and, and that's a huge problem. And I think that, that, you know, when you talk about why do we put our name on the, on the, on the company? Well, because I don't want to work another job in my life. Um, and that's very long-term, as you can imagine. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's really, uh, to me, that, that's probably the greatest value that Tom has brought to the table, is that he's a very patient man uh, in terms of his investments. Um, you know, obviously we're driving towards profit right. every year, and, and we'll be doing that uh, continually. That's never gonna stop. But at the same time, uh, when it comes to our strategic vision and what we want to achieve, it is a long-term project. Do you think with the expansion, you know, the extra 4,000, you know, the manufacturing of the mm -hmm. motherboards here, um, is that something you're able to kind of get away with because you're not producing millions and millions of the same device? Like you're, you're trying to focus on, you know, client A, client B, client B, what their specific needs are? From, from an output level, I mean, it's pretty impressive. Uh, when you look at uh, SMTs, you know, the equipment that, that we, that we are investing in, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of, of boards coming out every year. Yeah. Um, now the needs of, of the overall Buffalo market does not require hundreds of thousands of units uh, every year. So I think Buffalo will certainly be um, sort of a nexus for, for, other, um, for other regions mm -hmm. where, it'll, you know, where we'll distribute out to. Um, but um, no, I, I think that the, the, the reason why we're, we're going to be able to do it and why no one else does it is simply because the, the rest of the surrounding infrastructure is here. Um, there's really no point in producing your motherboards in the U.S. and then shipping them to China for assembly or elsewhere overseas for assembly for that matter. Um, so uh, it starts with the people um, and we always go back to that. It starts with the fact that we have cross-functionally trained staff here on site in downtown Buffalo who are able to put together devices, who are able to image them, which means they're able to load up um, specific versions of Windows um, that, that companies need with, with certain parameters and security features set up for them. And they're able to deliver those by hand mm -hmm. and install them. That's the difference maker. Everything else is, is, is uh, I think, important, uh, particularly from a quality standpoint. Um, you know, there's even a spyware element to this uh, that may become more uh, relevant in the future than it is today. Sure. Uh, but ultimately it's about the people. Um, and, and you know my job ultimately is to uh, kind of create an environment where not only are we able to really maximize the return on that investment, meaning the people investment, but also one where we make sure that, that from a differentiation standpoint it is truly remarkable. Right. And it's also profitable to our end user. You know, one of the buzzwords with, with any startup is, you know, being disruptive. And, yeah. um, you know, tablets, you know, yes, they're new in the span of mm. the last six years. Sure. But um, nothing's been really disrupted. It seems like to me you're trying to kind of disrupt the manufacturing model. Is that safe? So 
from a philosophical standpoint, I'm against disruption. That's always a good thing, I guess. <laughs> I, I, I think disruption is an overused term, and it's one that is typically used when you're trying to raise money. Right. Um, because, get attention for yourself. Because that's what people want to hear, right? If they're going to give you a million dollars, they want to know. Right? They, in synergy, <laughs> that's another one, right? And, and taking conversations offline. So these are all kind of uh, things that, that we jokingly try to uh, avoid here at the office. Um, but in terms of disruption, no, I, I actually see us more as, as kind of moving, just moving the needle. You know, we're, we're, we're standing on, on, the, on the, uh, the shoulders of giants. And I'm a big believer that there is absolutely, firstly, nothing wrong with um, improving on other people's great ideas. Um, but also that you should probably pay homage to them. Right? We, disruption insinuates that you're completely changing everything and nobody ever got it right until you came along. And I don't think that's us. Um, I think that, uh, no, I know that if, uh, you know, if uh, IBM hadn't uh, laid out the groundwork, if, 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 Windows, if Microsoft hadn't created Windows, well, then we wouldn't have an operating system and we wouldn't have uh, the PCBs. And if Intel had done the work that they've done, well, you know, the framework on, on which we're standing would be gone. Um, I think that particularly within the manufacturing space, we're, uh, we are bringing something somewhat new to the table. Um, it's I kind of an old school approach. You're, you're you know, assembling by... Yep, by hand. I mean, I'm looking yep. at them right here in the yep. window. They're, they're putting together the yep. tablets right here. I mean, that's well, and, uncommon. And, and, and I think that, you know, a thing that we always try to, to talk about is making sure that we're not nostalgic. Sure. You know, we're not bringing back... Um, Jobs to the United States that that were offshore and that are long gone. Absolutely not. Yeah, we're we're creating, not going to have those hundred thousand guys we're not, turning widgets. No. It's just not. And, and, and in fact, we don't even. In my opinion, we don't even want that. It's it's really up to the tech community to create brand new types of jobs. Um, you know, when you look at what what Ford did um, in the early turn of the century. Well, someone would have said, "Oh my God, a bunch of horses are all the horse farmers are going to." They're going to run out of a job. This is terrible. But, but he created a new type of job, and that's a big deal. The same when you were talking about technology in general, um, you know, through the 1940s and 19, early 1950s, people were really afraid that that was going to be the end of secretaries and it was going to be the end of, of all types of office workers and we were going to automate everything. Well, no. What we did was we just created skilled positions. Um, and ultimately, all upskilling is an, is an incredibly important part of any employer's responsibility to their employees. So what we uh, are kind of focusing on increasingly is making sure that we have entry-level uh, jobs available so that if you want to get into the technology industry, you can. Right? So you provide access, which is key. And then secondly, that once you are in the system, well, it's not just a, um, uh, you know, you go in at a certain level and you stay there kind of job. You should be able to have it be a career. So you should be able to upskill yourself learn a ton on the workplace, and then provide that value back to the company. Uh, and the only way to do that is to have those people uh, with you and around you, just like we do here. Um, looking ahead then, um, mm. with the expansion comes more jobs, uh, yep. like you said earlier. Um, what's the rest of 2016 going to be looking like in terms of getting things all put together? I think hectic <laughs> uh, is probably a, a, an apt description. Um, it, again, moving the needle across the board. Um, we want to uh, enlarge our operation for sure. We want to expand our footprint, uh, which means that we don't just um, focus and, and, and uh, really emphasize servicing 
um, companies that are in, are in immediate uh, vicinity. So we want to start actually looking at, for example, we were just laughing about uh, Lancaster, you know, mm -hmm. Lockport, uh, Niagara, uh, maybe even companies outside of that region. Um, we want to certainly expand our product portfolio, and I'm going to be excited to share some of that with you at, at another date. Um, again, with the aim of addressing the needs of the local community in a more um, profitable way for both parties, uh, that I, should, I should add. Um, and then ultimately, also from a, uh, just a management standpoint, you know, we're constantly looking to grow that team uh, and, and bringing in technologists or creating technologists here in Buffalo, New York. I think that the tech scene in, in Buffalo is very unique in that it's a very close-knit community. Um, it seems that everybody knows each other, yeah. uh, both for better and for worse. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it's, a, it's a phenomenal environment to be in. Um, and it is slightly counterculture. You know, I, uh, I was on the West Coast here last week, and I, yeah, it brought me back to my, my childhood, if you will, um, having grown up in California. But I, I do think that there's a space for us here in Western New York to come up with a new way of thinking in terms of technology uh, and not, um, not trying to emulate we should create our own um, atmosphere, our own scene, if you will. Uh, and the way that we do that is by creating jobs that people can have in technology and then obviously letting them grow their careers and bringing in lots of new, cool, innovative ideas. You know, you, you, with, with the topic of jobs, of course, mm. um, Bach is part of the Startup New York program. And yep. not getting into the, is the program worthwhile sure. the argument, but, you know, when you guys started out, you had less than a dozen employees and yep. now you're going to be close to a hundred yep. only three years in that being said this is one of those success stories i guess you could say mm -hmm. of that program oh absolutely and and more importantly we owe a lot to that program um you know i think a lot of people misunderstand sort of the central tenets of the program uh, no there's no government funding no tax breaks for the corporation particularly startup is not that big of a, of a deal uh, in the early years because you don't make any money, <laughs> go figure. Um, but what we have seen is uh, an immediate effect and a significant effect on our employees, uh, myself included, of course. Um, because we don't pay state tax, uh, there's, uh, again, we're able to compete more, right? always trying to find that competitive edge. Um, and I think that without um, the program having been in place, not only will we have been less competitive, but more importantly, we wouldn't have gotten the signal that New York was looking to foster uh, startup companies. You know, that's kind of been California's turf sure. uh, with, with Washington State and Texas kind of being the, the close followers, maybe even Florida. Um, less so today than, than before. Um, and, uh, and making sure that the, that the overall environment was welcoming for a new tech startup um, is a big deal. It makes you feel at home. It makes means that you... Uh, are willing to take a greater risk, I think, uh, from an investment standpoint early on. Um, and it also makes you feel um, that this is a place where you can continue to be successful. Uh, Steve Case came here and, and had a phenomenal impact on sort of the spirit of, of, of uh, everybody in the office. But he also came with a, a really cool idea, which is his third wave concept, that really what you need in order to be successful today um, in growing new business is the collaboration between the corporations, so the profit-driven uh, companies, um, NGOs, right? so all the nonprofits um, that are operating not only, the, only in this country but also abroad, and then thirdly and most importantly, the government. You know, you've got to have government support um, 
because that's what levels the playing field. Now, I'm not talking about financial backing, but what I mean by that is the government should be spending its money locally. The government, if you're paying taxes and your government is going out and buying products that it could get locally at an equal or better quality level for a lower price, well, that's a gimme, right? You want your money to go back into your community. Um, you don't want to create sort of a, a Roman Empire model where all the money is getting funneled into one place, right? And yeah, you're just, just do and you're just sucking it dry, right? The the, the Eastern territories, if yep. you will, right? So that's a, that's I think that that we've learned a lot from that, and I think Startup New York is a part of that um, uh, mentality. And uh, and it and it you know it's kind of you walk the walk. You don't just talk about oh we should develop, do development projects here in Western New York, etc. Uh, and then when you show up, there's no help. Right? No, this is an actual program, um, and and yeah, you know. And there's, gr and there's growing pains with everything. There's certainly been some. It's steps, not perfect. But that's that being right. said, you know your your box has grown three times over now in, yep. in three years. I mean that's. And we started with four people, five people, you know, around a, a kitchen table. Um, and and I think the more that the government, the local government included, by the way, and and Mayor Brown here in, in Buffalo is probably one of the coolest public servants that anyone can come across. You know, he's a huge supporter of everything Buffalo. Yeah. Um, and that's, what more can you ask for uh, from, a, from a mayor? And he's been instrumental, he personally has been instrumental in promoting our business to other uh, regions. And I think that's, again, speaks volume to the kind of mentality that, that the public officials have here in this town. It's, a, it's, a, it's not to be understated. Uh, in terms of importance for uh, for startups, it's very good that Mayor Brown's not pro Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So that would be problematic. Oh, so be, I've been told. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, any what can we look forward to um, product-wise in, in the near future? And, and of course, I'm putting you on the spot. And I know no the problem. answer already, but can we expect something at least new either this year or early next year? Um, absolutely. Uh, and uh, I and I have a big smile on my face because uh, you know we, we're continuously working very hard, very hard to expand our product portfolio, um, and um, and and there are some new form factors that are be coming out. Uh, there's uh, some uh, some new perspectives on open source that are going to be coming out. Um, maybe even uh, some new versions of some well-known operating systems that are be coming out. Uh, and it's all part of a larger product philosophy that we're, that we're implementing where we really put the customer first. Um, we need to differentiate. This is an industry of giants, right? So we have to do something different. Um, and, I, and, I, and I will say, by the way, with, with a smile that I think we would have done it anyways. Um, but, but really putting the customer front and center and listening to people's uh, comments and, and their criticisms. Uh, and, and then answering those as best as we can. Uh, that's going to be the theme uh, from a product standpoint, but uh, we're going to go uh, larger, and then we may also go a bit smaller than the current 8-inch. Um, so you can probably figure that one out. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, a lot of people uh, say gadgets you know, mm. are dead. You know, mm -hmm. you know, the early, mm -hmm. the mid-2000s, there's mm -hmm. gadgets, everything mm -hmm. galore. And, mm -hmm. um, what do you think? Are gadgets, you know, being a gadget guy, are um, gadgets so, here, here to stay? Or so I'm a, yes, I am a gadget guy. And if you talk to anyone in my, uh, my family, particularly my fiance, you know, it's not uh, particularly a, a necessarily a positive no, uh, term. Uh, <laughs> but, but that being said, you know, we, we are, we're a tool making company. 
we try to always think about the practical use cases for our products, uh, which means that um, I kind of issue shiny. I, I, I think that the, particularly the overall technology industry, so electronics industry, went a bit too far in terms of the, um, the form over function uh, ideology. Now, things should always look great. Right? I'm Danish. Uh, my dad has obviously described me and himself as a design freak or, or as design freaks. Um, so we're, we're big, big fans of that. It needs to look good, of course. Uh, but that being said, you should also make sure that it's solving some very real problems. Um, and uh, our shift from our, our Android device, which arguably from a design perspective probably had uh, greater appeal uh, from an aesthetic standpoint, um, you know, curved edges and all metal back. And, it fit the mold of the, yeah, you buy it off the shelf. Exactly. Uh, and it was targeted towards consumers, yep. to our new rugged uh, line of product, the SEAL um, series. Uh, that's much more of a tool, right? Um, there we were pretty uncompromising in terms of making sure that the design actually not only served a function, but also helped us achieve some very tangible aims such as extending the operating temperature, making sure that if you dropped it on your work site, you know, it wouldn't break. Um, so I think that, that there has to be a balance, um, and, and I'm certainly an adherent to that philosophy that, that neither should trump the other. But if we right now were to ask, you know, pick one over the other, I'm, I'm actually slowly becoming a function guy, um, which, which almost hurts me to say <laughs> as, as a Dane. But, you know, here we are. Um, you know, non-company related. Mm. Uh, well, I guess it's a, it's a little company related. But, you know, there's not many people in the world with, with what you do in the world, your title, so to speak. Uh, what's, what's a normal day if there is one? What's... what's that structured life. Um, you know, how, how do you work? I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, normal is, is probably uh, unnormal, right? So yeah. the no day is the, the same, um, and the structure is probably quite unstructured. Uh, no, uh, it's a terrible answer. Uh, it's one where we are constantly, uh, or certainly I am constantly, um, approached with new opportunities that I need to make a decision on. Um, so there's a million different ways that we can do things, uh, a million different um, paths that we can take. Uh, and I'm, I don't mean that sort of up in an abstract level. I mean, it's quite concretely, you know, for example, do you uh, change your operating system strategy so that you are no longer an Android-only uh, provider, but you're also letting in, um, you know, an enterprise-level solution? That was a question that came up one day, right? and, then, and then it needed an answer. Um, uh, similarly, in terms of uh, form factors, you know, do you make a, f literally, do you make a smartphone and why would you do that? And then going down that process of, of creating the market requirements documents and reviewing them and then working with the people um, who are experts in it. You know, I, I kind of consider myself a jack of all trades, a master of, of none, <laughs> um, which, uh, you know, hopefully one day will change. But I'm fortunate in that I'm surrounded by brilliant people. And, um, and the team that we have here uh, is really what makes the company. Um, when you have amazing talent around you, you not only do you start to feel comfortable uh, in general, but also you start to feel comfortable giving off responsibility and really deferring to the experts. Um, I think my role increasingly will become to pick up all of that advice, internalize it, um, and then ultimately be the fall guy if everything goes wrong. 
So if you have um, a huge monster success, it's well, all your idea. Well, it's certainly uh, <laughs> until I, I walk in through, uh, yeah, into my office and, and they'll, 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 you know, hang, hang me for it. But uh, no, it's 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 very much a team sport, and it's and, and I, I don't mean that in sort of the, the typical oh it's not me. It's a, no, it literally is. Um, we 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 are very open to suggestions from both a. Uh, tactical perspective and a strategy perspective when it comes to the people who work with these parks every day. Why wouldn't we listen to them? You know, they're the ones who made it in the first place and they have enormous insight. Um, and then also, you know, at the end of the day, we're working with, with a lot of overseas partners. So there's a lot of early morning phone calls. That very, early, very early, I Very early, 4 a.m. A lot of late night phone calls that get made. Um, but increasingly, as we're moving more of the process here internally, um, that's going to become less and less the case, which is kind of cool uh, for my circadian rhythm. <laughs> what um, what tool or service you know can you not live without to, to do your job on kind of a daily basis? Is it is it as simple as a cup of coffee, or is it you know a field notes? Notepad? We need a, a jug of coffee, uh, you know, a caffeine drip. No, um, so so. I'm glad that you asked that question because actually one of the, the ideas that uh, we've been toying around with is this concept of a startup in a box. Right? I actually think that most startups encounter the same set of problems or at least slight variations of the same problems, you know, such as uh, what file storing solution should you use? Uh, what email protocol should you go for? Like what internal chat? Is, exactly. Is it, is it HipChat or is it Slack or is it Office 365 or is it Google Sheets? Do you go with um, uh, you know Jira or do you go with uh, Trello or do you go with Microsoft's Planner or do you go with I mean, and, and they're all uh, you know Zendesk or I want to call it Freshdesk. I mean. <laughs> All these different tools that are meant to make you your spend life for easier. six months. You start up figuring out how to run the office. Easy, <laughs> easy, right? Uh, and in in my role as CTO, I suppose from a sort of a job description standpoint, that would be my main uh, focus. That's not always the case. Um, particularly once you start introducing large scale ERPs. You know, we invested about a quarter million dollars in a Microsoft Dynamics ERP. Uh, they just came out with a cloud based solution, so there's no servers on site which allows us to, to really control the company um, from a centralized standpoint. Um, uh, when you talk about our inventory control, um, you know, supply chain management, uh, quality engineering, et cetera. Um, so there's a, lot of, you know, there's a lot of tools out there that can get you lost in the fray. Uh, in terms of my, my own setup, I, I do think it's very personal. Mm -hmm. um, I like Planner, so Microsoft's product Planner, um, because it's integrated into Office 365, um, this company is probably most uh, accurately run out of Excel, honestly. Um, there's not, almost nothing you can't do in Excel yeah. uh, if you know how to program it right. Um, but, uh, uh, but then again, I'm also a huge user of Gmail. Uh, massive. Can't live without Gmail. Um, can't live without my, increasingly my calendar. Uh, thank God. Yeah, I'm starting <laughs> to use that more and more. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you know, Skype for... Uh, conference calls with the Microsoft team, go to meeting when I'm talking to guys at Citrix, right? And uh, so I, I actually like to sample. I'm a big yeah. believer in don't um, don't yourself. don't pigeonhole yourself, and also make sure that you understand the breadth of different um, applications that are out there. Uh, we're a hardware company, yes, but ultimately, and this is uh, 
kind of a, on a philosophical level, I think, uh, maybe a, a new way of looking at it, we're a delivery vehicle for software. You know, we're here to deliver a great overall experience, but ultimately our users are typically picking up our devices to run software. So I like to see what is out there from a UI standpoint, from a UX uh, perspective, you know, just making sure that we're not um, uh, myopic in our view of, um, of what you know, the different types of, of programs that people are running uh, look like, and then making sure that, that you know, when we talk about form factor, for example, that's a big thing internally right now, uh, don't, uh, don't think that people will use your set of tools only, right? They won't. They, they're going to have their own uh, daily flow and routine. Uh, and knowing kind of the breadth of that, I think, is a big deal. And, you know, wrapping up, sure. what, uh, you know, I know we touched on it earlier, but what can we expect uh, next year? Oh, uh, not yeah, more, a whole lot more, uh, you know, now that the number is out, uh, the reason why we went through a second round of investment is because we want to expand. Um, we want to do a lot more, uh, which means that the, certainly the product uh, catalog will grow, we will grow, our footprint will grow, our presence will grow. Uh, our engagement with the local community will grow, um, and and maybe we may even grow uh, nationally to, to other places. You know, uh, that's another part of our uh, of our decentralized manufacturing model. You know, we want to be present um, and not just in Buffalo, in other places too. So doubling down in full throttle, huh? Uh, I mean, tripling down, yeah. <laughs> Pedal to the metal, and and I think that that that's the spirit of this company. You know, we we started. Uh, Kind of a funny anecdote, you know, we, we moved into this space after only three months of construction, and we were making devices after two weeks. Uh, and, and that's what you got to do. You, you, you have to be somewhat of a gunslinger uh, to be successful in this business because there's a massive go-to-market advantage um, uh, when you talk about timing. Uh, so I think, I think that the, I know that other players in the industry are paying attention, which is great. The best thing that could possibly happen, I think, from a mission and vision standpoint of this company is that other companies start to do the same. Start creating those new types of jobs, start engaging local communities, giving them a voice, so that it's not all dominated by the needs and the viewpoints of people who live in very specific places far away from here. Um, and, and increasingly, I think that's becoming sort of the ethos of the company, is to just Listen to people, although I've done a lot of talking today. <laughs> Listen to people uh, and then give them a voice in our decision-making process so that you start to answer some of those questions and problems that they have that have largely been overlooked, I think, by an industry that hasn't really needed to listen too much. They've been the ones kind of dictating the, um, dictating the roadmap. Perfect. Well, I think... Uh 40 minutes of, you know, many of your positions yeah. and sparring, no. so I appreciate it. You've certainly gotten me. Thank you. That was Christian Bach, Director of Products at Bach USA. We'll catch up with them again as they continue to innovate in their industry right here in Buffalo. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I've got a lot of interesting stories lined up for both TV and the podcast this fall. I'm also launching a gadget blog and review section on the Innovate Western New York page, so be on the lookout for that, and that's just more uh, more tech stuff. They like me doing the tech thing here, and I, I, of course, certainly enjoy it. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Nate Benson. 
We're on Facebook.com slash NateBensonTV. I'm also on Snapchat, NateBensonTV. I'm pretty much, you just search for Nate Benson. You're probably going to find me. If you find what I have to say interesting, then certainly feel free to follow me. Feel free to contact me also if you have any story ideas or tips, especially if you're a startup tech company or manufacturer looking to be featured on our series. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you at the next one.